the Wilding the Lamb podcast, the Come Follow Me podcast for men. I'm Jeff Holderness, and this is Christian McMullen. And today we're going to be talking about 1 Nephi, chapter 11 through 15. Um, Nephi's vision of the tree of life should be a very um, rousing conversation. We do talk about, uh, get into things with Tim Kennedy, some of his stories from his book, which is pretty cool, and go off on more than one uh, tangent. So, hope you guys enjoy. So, um, Tim Kennedy is just like a all-around, all-around bad dude. Um, he's He's pretty sweet. So, like... <clears throat> He grew up and he always wanted to be a police officer. His dad was a cop. His brothers were police officers and stuff. He grew up in California. Um, and he couldn't go to the academy until he was 21. And so when he was like 19, um, he like became an EMT, was an EMT for a little bit. Then he became a firefighter <laughs> and he was a firefighter for a little bit. And then he became a cop <laughs> and then through a bunch of series of stuff, he gets kicked out of the, the police and he joins the army. And so he goes into the military, but like this entire time while he's doing it, he's also, um, an MMA fighter. So like he grew up, yeah, yeah he does like jujitsu and kickboxing and like a ton of stuff. And he, um, fights on the side while he's doing all this anyway. So he goes, gets deployed to Afghanistan. Um, he's a green beret army ranger and he gets sent on this mission where he's supposed to manage a convoy of 100 vehicles and they're taking a bunch of food to like a forward operating base or a, a military base that's like out on the outskirts in afghanistan and he talks about how like it's out in the middle of nowhere and it's literally surrounded by taliban little towns and villages and so, like, they can't helicopter the stuff into the base because they just get, like, lit up by Taliban. And so the only way to do it is to convoy, like, truck truck all this stuff in. And um, so it's, like, 200 kilometers, which is, like, 130 miles is how far they have to truck from their their current base to this, this forward operating base. And... Um, he says that like they gear up, they get all ready, they load all the all the convoy trucks and stuff. What makes it worse is that like all the convoy drivers are like from Afghanistan. They're not not actually military guys, so like they don't know if they're Taliban or if they're like not. <laughs> so, so they've got like eighty trucks full of food, full of gear for this this military base. And they don't really know. It's like him and only like 30 other guys, like army guys. And the rest of the people that are in this convoy are, are natives. So they take off and they start this like journey up to this place. And in the book, he goes into way more detail. But basically like every single village along the way, they get into an ambush. And like, like the Taliban is just like plastering him. And like... They do a good job. They defend themselves. They do what they need to do. But like they're losing trucks, uh, they're losing like people, and it's it's like just like this huge mess. Basically, it's a giant cluster. And so, for three days, they're literally like trying to get to this place, and they just keep coming under attack every single village. And so, um, 
eventually they do make it to the forward operating base. They drop off the stuff and like everyone's wounded. Everyone's super tired. It's they've literally been fighting for like 56 hours. I think he says, and they're finally at the base. They get a chance to rest up and stuff. Um, but then on their way back, they know that it's just going to be hell going, getting back to where they need to go. And so they're like all anticipating it to be awful and they start going and the first town they get to, like as they're pulling into town, they start coming under fire and they're just like crap. And so they get another ambush in that town. A bunch of people get killed. Uh, a lot of like the, the natives and stuff are getting hurt. They're losing their trucks and stuff, but they're trying to get back. And they end up like fighting through that ambush. They have to call in like A-10 Warhogs and do like all this cool stuff. <laughs> and, and it's a super cool story. Um, but finally, they get out of that town and they're headed back to their base. And like in the horizon, he's saying that like in the horizon, he sees another village and he's just like exhausted to the point of like he like can't function. His His body and stuff is just starting to shut down and he's just like exhausted. And he starts to get like feeling really uncomfortable as they're coming into this town. And um, he's realizing that like there are no bullets coming at him. Like every other town as they're driving in, like guys take pop shots and just like try to hit their vehicles or whatever. Mm-hmm. So he's like, he's like thinking like, oh man, these guys are professionals. They're like waiting. They know what they're doing. Um, and they like come over this ridge and there's like this tree, he says. And he's like, He's like, it's the scariest tree that I've ever seen in my life. Just this big, huge, black, dark tree. And um, in the tree is like a, a body, a corpse hanging. Mm-hmm. And he, him and his guys are just like, oh, gosh, like, we don't know if we can do this. They're running out of ammo. They don't have water. Like, there's so many things that are going on. And they, like, pull into town, still no gunfire or anything. And he says that, like, people start coming out of the buildings and he's like he describes it as shangri-la he's like these people have like super colorful clothes on and like they look different than all of the rest of the afghanistan of the people of afghanistan that he's seen on this whole trip and like he doesn't see guns or weapons or anything but they're coming out and they like end up stopping their vehicles and they're just like trying to figure out what's going on and he ends up getting out and he starts seeing like children come out and he's never seen that before on this trip and like one of the kids comes over and just like holds his hand and like he like breaks down and then he says that like this old guy comes over and just like gives him a big hug and he like just like loses it and they don't really know what's going on (laughs) it's just like this crazy stressful situation but it's cool in the book because he, he describes it as Shangri-La and he talks a lot about how these people didn't believe what the Taliban was selling and they weren't like true Muslims in, in the, the sense, sense that the, the Taliban, Taliban thinks they are. Right? I follow him. I, had to look, yeah, I just had to look him up. I was like, yeah, no, like, yeah, this dude is, this dude is a freaking Pretty cool. Yeah. yeah. Um, but anyway, he talks about how like they had created this, this Shangri-La in the middle of all these Taliban people. And like he, he said, eventually like they show him that they have defenses up and like all sorts of like protection inside the city. 
and they they fight to keep the Taliban away, essentially, the, these people. Um, but he describes them, he's like, they found happiness in the midst of all of that evil. And he said that they wanted to share it with whoever they came in contact with. Mm -hmm. And so when him and his guys pulled up, like they shared it with him, they shared their love, they shared their food. Um, he said that like, like that it was just this immense, like peace that they were in like a safe place for once. And it totally made me think of the tree of life and how once you grab that, once you have and know and understand the love of God, you want to share it with others and you want to bring other people along for the ride. And it's a hundred percent what those people did for him in that situation and for the guys that were with him. And I think that that's a beautiful story. Yeah. Yeah. I've, I've seen a lot of his stuff on social media. I, I had to look him up because when you're telling the story, I was like, I wonder if it's this one guy. So anyways, yeah, it's, it's the guy who I thought it was. Yeah. No, he's pretty, he's pretty cool. His book's super good. I'd uh, definitely recommend it to anyone. Um, it's pretty cool. He like goes through his whole life in like a first person perspective mm -hmm. and like what has kind of brought him along. And it, it's been a, a really good read to listen to. That's cool. But yeah, I think it totally applies to, you know, Nephi and the tree of life story because it's the, the whole point is the same. <laughs> like as I was listening to it, it was just like, oh dude, there's a tree. And in this, in this instance, it's different, but um, just the parallels that were there were like perfect to tie together to this. Um, and I think that we can take, take that story and, and apply it to our lives that as we share things with others, as we share the truth that we know uh, through this podcast, through our conversations at work or at jujitsu or wherever we are, um, that we can help others see this joy. And it might not necessarily need to be like, Oh, Hey, come to church with me next week. But even just people feeling um, the peace and the joy that we have, a lot of people notice that. Oh, I want to stir the pot a little bit. Go for it. So, you know, you'd you'd mentioned like when we feel God's love, we want to like we want to show other people and, and express that to to other people. Mm -hmm. Well, in Lehi's dream, he specifically talks about people who reach the tree, partake of the fruit, and then drop it in shame and go to a great and spacious building. Yeah. So. What do you think the difference is between somebody who partakes of the fruit, feels that love of God, and wants to share it with everybody, and somebody else who does take it, experiences the love of God, and then becomes shameful of it, and then walks away from it? Um, I think it's a great question. I think... Um, For me, the way that I see it, like I feel like there are times in our lives when we know God loves us. We know, like without a doubt, that he cares about us. Um, but then it's easy to forget that. 
because of everything else that's going on around us. Um, I think that there have been times in my life where I'm definitely like right there at the tree. Like I know God loves me. Um, I'm studying the scriptures, so I'm finding the joy that comes from like filling the spirit, learning things and progressing along those lines. And then there are other times when like I fail at that and I fell at it for a couple of weeks and like, I'm not as close or as in tune with the spirit. And there've been times where like I walk away from the tree. And so I think at least the way that I interpret it, um, it's not so much like a one and done. It's kind of, I guess like in all the drawings that you see in the tree of life, there's like the tree of life and there's like one iron rod path going up to it. Right. And there's like the great and spacious building across from, from the river or whatever. But I kind of, and I, I touched on it a couple of weeks ago in, in one of the episodes, but I kind of think of it as like a spectrum. There's like the tree of life, God on this side, the great and spacious building and like where you are in that path. Are you like in the great and spacious building, hanging out with all the people, drinking and doing your thing? Or are you more on more on God's side of things? And so that's that's kind of how in my mind I see it. But what about you? So I think there's um, one of the facets of that is, you know, while you're you're talking, my mind's going trying to answer my own question. Yeah. Um, because usually when I have these questions, I don't have an answer for them. It's just a question that pops in my head, and I'm like, okay, well, what about this? Yeah. Um, so what kind of what I was thinking was, you know, when we get to that fruit and we partake of, of God's love and we feel that, I believe those people who did drop and go to the great inspection building and are eventually lost, whatever, yeah. that when they first did partake of the fruit, they probably, they probably didn't feel shame right, right away. Right away. That, that they... Because I think it's really hard to to feel shame when you feel God's love. Mm-hmm. Like that's, that's I I mean I guess you could, but I feel like God's love would obliterate shame. Yeah. Um. Because there's just no room for it. Yeah. But so I think it's the way I view it is like it's somebody who was you know really trying to live their life. The way that they they know they should in the gospel, yeah. Um, kind of their sins, reading scriptures, whatever they, they do to to make themselves close to God. Mm-hmm. But they partake of that fruit, and then all of a sudden they they stop. They stop progressing. Yeah. And so they stop taking the fruit. And so if you don't continually to build that relationship with God in Christ, it's eventually going to fall and die away because you have to be actively engaged in in building that relationship with them constantly so i think it's it's more of an endurance thing yeah you know we have that heard that phrase endure to the end um i think the people who tasted the fruit and then walked away just did they didn't endure endure yeah no i i think that's true and i think in lehi's version when he's talking about them like actually like dropping the fruit and leaving. I, I think he says that like they turn and look 
to the people at the spacious building who are scorning them or whatever. And so I, I think you're right. I think it's they, they break that focus off the tree and they're, you know, focusing on things that aren't as important. Things of the world. Yeah. Yeah, yeah exactly. Um, no, and I, I think it's interesting. You know, Lehi has that vision and his version is very, very detailed, especially like what's happening in the vision. Whereas like reading Nephi's, a lot of his stuff is, is less of like what it looks like and what exactly is happening, but like what things mean. And I think that that's kind of interesting. It's, it's kind of a deeper, deeper perspective that you kind of get to dive into with Nephi. Um, and I didn't, you know, reading through this, I've always read this a million times, but like when I, th I thought it was cool and interesting that the, well, first of all, <laughs> first of all, the spirit shows them like Jerusalem, Nazareth, and then, and then Christ's mom, Mary. And I love that he then asks Nephi, like, what beholdest thou? What are you saying? And he's like, He's like a virgin, most beautiful and fair above all other virgins. <laughs> so like he sees this great city, he sees all this stuff, but it's it's uh it's the beautiful girl that he's he's interested in and thinking about. <laughs> I thought that was funny. Um but then the spirit asks, Knowest thou the condescension of God? And um I probably looked it up before. But like I, I had to remember what that word means. Yeah, I, I actually was gonna say, do you know what that word means? Because I actually have no idea what that word means. Well, good, I'm not the only one. Okay, it's kind of a cool word. Um, so it means like going down below your status level in order to like serve other people, which I I thought was interesting. Um, but so when he asks him, know thou the condescension of God. Um, Nephi's response is, I know that he loveth his children, but I don't know everything. And so I was looking at that word a little bit more and like Christ's whole atonement, his whole mission when he was on earth was to come below himself and to serve us. Mm -hmm. And so it's, it's the condensation of God is his whole mission, but it's also, also the love of, of God and of Christ. Um, for us. And so I, I thought that was cool. And then the entire rest of this uh, chapter 11, um, it just basically outlines what Christ is going to do for us. He's going to atone for us. He's going to, um, yeah, save us essentially. I like, I like how Nephi, when he, when he says what you just quoted about, uh, um, I, I know that God loveth his children, but I don't know. I don't know all things. Mm -hmm. I like that statement from him because, you know, growing up, kids, like, I know, at least for me, like, looking at Nephi, he was, like, almost as close to perfect as you could get, right? Yeah. Like, yeah. that's the way he's he's perceived a lot by at least kids. Okay. And, and, uh, you know, God is, is all knowing. Right. So, so I, I like that statement because it does a couple things that one, he's, he's like, Oh, I know God loves me. He's like, I don't know all things, but like, that's one thing I do. Yeah. I know God loves me, yeah. but it's, but it's okay 
to not know everything. Mm -hmm. So don't don't stress about you know having to know everything. everything. Because I feel like, you know, we get so caught up in, in feelings inadequate mm -hmm. because we don't know everything. I don't know when it was, but Elder uh, Irene, President Irene, Elder Irene, um, when he, I don't know if it was a general conference, I don't know, I think it was at a priesthood session, and then he was talking to, it might have been a leadership meeting, um, he was talking to new bishops, I think, and he's like, brethren, when you get this call, you know, you're you're gonna have feelings of inadequacy he's like and guess what or you're gonna feel inadequate and guess what you are <laughs> it's like and understanding and realizing our inadequacies is not necessarily a weakness but can be a great strength for us because it if we understand our inadequacies and that we are inadequate, but yet we have the faith or whatever, like me, if I did yeah. to like, I know I'm totally inadequate in everything that I'm doing right now, but I know that you know everything about what's needing to be done here. Mm -hmm. Like I, I just need, I need your help because I know I'm inadequate. Yeah. So um, I think that's a good example from, Nephi being like, I know he loves me, but I don't, I don't know everything. I just, I just know he loves me. No, I think that's super cool. Um, one of my goals this year is to like, it sounds stupid, but it's to not pretend that I know things that I don't. And so like, yeah, just like being okay, being like, hey, like, tell me about that. Like, teach me about that or show me about that rather than pretending that I, I know exactly what you're talking about or whatnot. Um, and that's been interesting. Honestly, <laughs> that was one of the reasons why I, I was totally like, yeah, I'll go to jujitsu with you was because I was like, I don't know anything about jujitsu, but this is something that I want to learn about and know a little bit more about. And so, yeah, when you invited me to jujitsu, I was like, uh, I don't know that I want to, but I was like, yeah, Go and like check it out, learn it out. Dude, I'm, I'm stoked you came, man. It was it was fun. <laughs> Jitsu's my like lifeline. <laughs> yeah. Um, but uh, no, I oh, what was I gonna say? Um, anyways, whatever. If it comes back to me, I'll say it. Um, yeah. So yeah, I just think Nephi is an awesome example for that stuff. No, he he for sure is, and he multiple times it's easy to like remember his big moments mm -hmm. he's got quite a few of them and they're like amazing miraculous stories but as i get older and you like read in between those stories mm -hmm. you you start to see more of of his inadequacies and flaws that are, are the same as us yeah. like like that like i don't i don't know everything at this point like he's had angelic invitations he's had like so many different things that's more than me or or a lot of people 
but yet he still doesn't know everything and he's he still is trying to to learn and develop those skills in order to to be the best version of him that he can be yeah have you ever heard of uh the 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 term shoshin Mm-mm. um so i believe it's a, a like a buddhist um methodology i don't know what you would call it yeah. teaching whatever yeah. but shoshin is is a mindset about having a beginner's mindset mm-hmm. that literally everything that you do in your in your life if you do it with a beginner's mindset your growth and progression in that thing that you're learning is going to be exponentially greater yeah. and if you're like well i'm an expert at this i know this and that because if you do that you're blocking yourself off from 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 learning you're like i don't need to learn anything else because i'm an expert but if you have the mentality of oh, i'm a beginner in all things and you listen to people like like that yeah then your ability to progress is is, is really heightened so kind of what you were talking about of what your goal is yeah that's that's what popped that into my mind yeah. yep no that's cool i like that that's Christ said, uh, you know, be like a little child. It's the same thing. Yeah. Yep. Same concept. Which I've never, I've never really understood that for a really long time. Because then it's like, be like a little child. I'm like, they're punks and they don't listen and they're obnoxious and they <laughs> run around and make messes and and don't listen and it's like so you want me to be disobedient and just do what i want and not care <laughs> i don't understand but you know i as i was learning about different things or whatever it's like oh that's what being like a little child means because they're not an expert in anything yeah. and everything that they have to learn they have to learn at a beginner's mindset mm-hmm. so being like a little child is like learning at their level no, I like that, and it it uh, dude like with kids and stuff, they just they've got questions, <laughs> and like um, it's just fun to to get to like see how they learn, see how they develop, and and help them through. They're curious. They want to learn. They want to figure stuff out. Yeah. They they want to grow. Yeah. But they're not well. <laughs> like well, they're not like. I'd know everything, but Bradley, he thinks he knows everything. Um, but, yeah. No, I think that's cool. Well, and it just goes to show, you know, and as, as Nephi continues to learn line upon line, slowly, her little, there little, like he, he continues to, to develop his faith and to develop his understanding of God and, and who he is and stuff. Um, over the course of the next couple chapters and things he's he's granted visions of his future and the future generations and stuff like that um how christ is going to come and appear to his people and then how they're all going to end up fighting each other and killing each other off um and as i was reading through and kind of understanding how that must have like felt because i think a big part of like the joy in my life right now as a parent as a father is like getting to see my children grow and develop and 
just like imagining what they're going to do and like their, how their life is going to go. It's also your greatest sorrow. <laughs> Have you ever seen that video clip? What's your, what's the greatest thing about being a dad? Watching your kids grow up. What's the saddest thing? Watching your kids grow up. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, it's true, but it, it must've been hard to like, and, and I think, I think reading it this time for the first time, it, it was interesting to me <clears throat> because in, in chapter 12, he kind of goes through the, the spirit kind of shows him the future Nephi, as far as like what's going to happen to the Nephites and the Lamanites eventually. And like at the end, it's, it's basically like the Lamanites are going to kill off all the Nephites. And then the very next chapter, um, he kind of talks to Laman and Lemuel and he kind of has a hard time and has to like practice restraint talking to him. Um, and he, I, because of the emotions and stuff that he was feeling that like eventually everything's going to go to pot <laughs> because of these, his two brothers. Um, and man, that was, just kind of a realization that, that that would be a really difficult thing to have to like know is going to happen and yet still be patient with them. You know what one way that I, I feel like Nephi is portrayed? <laughs> like sometimes I feel like Nephi would have been really annoying to be around. <laughs> just... Just saying, yeah. Like any little thing you do wrong, don't you know you shouldn't be doing that? Don't do that. Repent. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So it's like, how, how, how do you not get annoyed from from that? Because like, if I know if my brothers are like, dude, don't you know that's against the teachings of God? Like, dude, shut up. We can still talk. I already know. I don't. Don't. You you get what I'm saying? Yeah. I know. I can see that. No, it's true. And I think, unfortunately, when when Nephi's looking back at his life, a lot of like the important key events are going to be situated around those type of moments. Um, but I'm sure that there's a lot of like love and other stuff that goes through. I'm sure he got along with his brothers. I'm going to start talking to my family like that. <laughs> I'm gonna do an experiment. I'm just gonna be like sitting at sitting at a um, my family birthday dinner or whatever, and someone's gonna say stuff, and I'm like, I don't know. I'll bring, I'll come up with something, but something along the lines of of them not being Christ-like. Yeah, it just 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 hammering them with uh, more more shame and guilt for the things that they don't do. Yeah, it's like how how are you, how do you do that? Because I feel like that's actually a really big problem is the way that people talk to others in the church. Yeah. It's in a very shaming way. So how do you talk to somebody like Nephi talked to his brothers without shaming them and making them feel less than? It's it's hard. Like, it's a really hard thing. I mean, I, I wish I had the answers for that one. I am not expecting you to answer that one. Yeah. But I'm, it's just like a, a, 
a question that it's like, how, how do you talk to somebody when you know that they're doing something wrong yeah. and you're like, you're like, you can see you're like, dude, what are you doing? I want to help you. It's like, cause even if you're doing it out of love, it can be really easy to, to knock someone down into shame. No, I think that's true. I think I think one thing is that it takes it takes a relationship. Like you you need to know and understand who the person is and they need to know and understand you before you can like help correct them um or like help help them realize kind of what they're doing i think of like even just like marriage like there's no way that my wife will do anything that i ask her to do like as far as like to to better yourself or like to, and it's the same with me too. Like my wife will be like, Hey, you should like go work out or like, Hey, you should go do this. And I'm like, no, like, like you say that, but then like a week later I'll be like, Hey, you know, I'm, I'm going to go work out. And she always just laughs. She's like, it's gotta be your idea. Not, not my idea, but I think we're, and so, so I guess what I'm saying is like, even in like the closest of relationships, that you have there's still that um that like pride that's like dude don't tell me what to do <laughs> you know what i mean so it's definitely got to be something that like you yourself are making a conscientious thing to try to do but i do think that like like i would hope that if you were doing something wrong or if i was doing something wrong our relationship would be would be strong enough to where you could be like dude like cut that out come on like what are you thinking and like it would it would kind of like like jolt me back to my senses i guess or something like that whereas like it's harder to do church when like don't don't know the people or whatever but um but i think that there there is something to being blunt and helping people understand i i think of like the prophets and what they did to like prophesy <laughs> and it's always like hey you guys are horrible people and god's gonna destroy you unless you repent that's like how they start off their <laughs> their life and whatever and i feel like sometimes in the church we've gotten so like so careful with how we word and say things that people are starting to like nothing means anything anymore. You got you think they've gotten more careful? I think so, especially from like the pulpit or like other other places. I'm interested to sit in your ward. <laughs> <laughs> I don't feel like no, I don't feel like our ward is, is terrible at that. Um, but I just I, I don't I don't know. I I feel like we've scaled back some of our like hellfire and damnation type no i do agree with that i feel like that has been has been something that has uh has taken a different course than how it used to be and i i don't think it's necessarily wrong because 
like there there's a fine line between the church norms and like the commandments of god mm-hmm. and so like if i if i'm trying to better you because you're because you might observe the sabbath differently than i do like to me that's not some that like that's none of my business that's between you and the lord right right but like if you're like planning on like cheating on your wife or like going out and drinking or like doing something like that it might be a different story to just be like hey i probably wouldn't do that or like hey let's do something else saturday night or like whatever it is so like i think that there's there's a difference between like 70s 80s lds church and what we do now but i do think we've toned down a lot of like our we can be better let's improve ourselves and we've it's a lot more like oh hey we love everyone which is fine we do love everyone but there's do you do you you love everyone chap do you love everyone i try my hardest I try my hardest. <laughs> but I don't know. What's your experience? What do you think it's like? Like I said earlier, I, I didn't have an answer for it. I was just, I just, uh, I just know that it's 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 been a problem, and um, and you know, often the way that I've a lot of the way that that stuff was taught growing up at least mm-hmm. um was super shameful yeah like and it wasn't taught with love and compassion and with forgiveness and with grace and and all these attributes that the savior has like the way that he taught yeah i mean he rebuked people he needed to call people to repentance mm-hmm. That was, you know, that's his his job. That was part of his job, right? Yeah. Part of his mission while he was here. Um. But there's there's a way to do it lovingly and a way to do it just to, like, you sinner, you suck. <laughs> Don't do that because you're a bad person. Um, and. You know, I'm I'm gonna get hosed because I I can't like think of anything right off the top of my head like an example. Yeah. Um. But. But uh. Well, so this is this is kind of let's see if I can get the example straight. So there was. Um. Somebody was teaching something about about the atonement, mm-hmm. and they were talking about how we need to, you know, always be following the commandments of God and all these things or else, you know, we can't make it back to live with him again. Yeah. But the way that it was worded, I wish I could think about the way that it was worded, but the way that it was worded, like, left no room for error. Yeah. And even though the commandments of God and God's justice does not have room for error, that does not change the fact that we are all human in a fallen state and we are imperfect yeah 
And because of that, we need our Savior, right? Mm -hmm. And so also because of that, we need room to be able to use the atonement. And so if you if you go into hellfire brimstone, you have to be perfect or else you're going to hell. Like that doesn't leave room for the atonement to work in your life. And so um, I was having a talk with my mom one time and she was like, you know, I've been studying about the atonement and I felt like it just like slapped me in the face. I was like, mom, it's like the atonement doesn't slap you in the face. It caresses your face. <laughs> but I, you know what I'm saying? Like the mentality that the, the atonement is hellfire and brimstone is so backwards. Yeah. Because it's not. It's patience. It's loving. It's kind. It's compassionate. It's full of grace. I mean, it's it's all these good things. It's not a bad thing. It's not a scary thing. Well, and what good is the atonement if no one uses it? Right. So, like, if, if we're all fighting to be perfect, which we're never going to be, but... I, I do remember we, we probably sat in the same in the same lessons. I do remember growing up feeling like um feeling like you had to be perfect and like the whole goal was to like get to the point where you're you're perfect and you're not sinning ever or whatever, which is impossible. Um and so so I totally get and understand where that is and where, where that's coming from. And I, I do think that there are much better ways to teach a lot of this stuff that especially when I was growing up in, in YouTube, probably in the nineties, it was taught uh, differently. Yeah. But <laughs> what's kind of interesting, my wife and I talk about this all the time. We like, <clears throat> we had like leaders and stuff like that um, that would, would teach us things on Sunday and then not follow it the rest of the week uh -huh. so like as a kid you like don't understand that and you don't under like you you just see it as like oh i need to be perfect on you know doing whatever and then like you grow up and you're like oh like they don't know anything either like we're all just trying to figure out who we are what we're doing what works for us what doesn't um and like for at least for me, it comes down to like seminary answers. <laughs> like it's like the same like basic things that like if you do those, you feel the love. You yeah, let, yeah. Let's 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 talk about that. That's kind of where we <laughs> where I told you I had some some feelings about that. So All let's right. let, we can we can talk about that. Sure. Um, <laughs> how do I even start this? Um. Anyways, go go about your your thing real quick about talking about those primary answers. <laughs> For me, um, I was just saying that like when I when I pray, when I read the scriptures, when I'm closer to God, when my relationship is closer to Him, I generally feel better. I generally am happier. Um, I generally can resist like the temptations that I do have every day and I'm able to, to better navigate my life. Um, 
does that mean I'm perfect and I don't screw up? No, but I, I feel like it definitely helps. So, so here's, and those are the, that's, those are great answers. And, and, you know, I, I, I agree that scripture study and prayer help in those aspects. Yeah. I do not believe like wholeheartedly that it is the answer. Correct. So, but I feel like, like whenever talking to a bishop or whatever, you're talking about struggles, well, are you reading your scriptures? Are you saying your prayers? And it's like, if I say yes, then that means I, I don't know what it means. But, but if I say no, then it's like, well, then that's why you're having problems. And it's like, no, that's not, that's not true. Like there's more to, to this and just the spiritual side mm-hmm. like yes if we read our scriptures and we say our prayers we're going to be more resilient towards temptations of, of the devil and have better connection with the spirit i'm not refuting that at all yeah what i do refute though is that we are still mortal beings with 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 mortal issues mm-hmm. that this spiritual side of things doesn't just cover up and when it comes to to uh um like especially when it comes to like emotional stuff like emotional traumas and different things like that to to really heal and get over those it's it it takes more than just reading your scriptures and saying your prayers yeah and and when you're relying on just those two things like sure you may you may you may feel better, you may feel closer to God, and you may feel his love and things like that, but there's still things that happen in our life that we have to heal from, which utilizing the atonement, which part of that is with prayer. Yeah. But it's but it's it's more than just prayer. It's like we have to we have to like still heal ourselves or allow God to heal us. Mm-hmm. Um, but but it takes effort on our part rather than just saying your prayers and reading scriptures. Yeah. And there's there's a lot of a lot of uh, what's what's the I don't know if there's a term or whatever I'm trying to think of. Um one, it's not like talked about ever. Like people with addictions, perfect example. Mm-hmm. You don't get over an addiction by reading more scriptures and saying more prayers. You just don't. Yeah. There's there's other crap there that you have to deal with on a physical level mm-hmm. in order to actually get over it and to be able to to, to get over that addiction. Yeah. Not just reading your scriptures and your prayers and going to church. Like just doesn't work like that so those are tools that need to be used but it's a but those are only two tools in a in a real tool sure. bucket yeah and for a lot of things in our lives we have to use more than just those yeah no and i i think part of the evolution of the church is kind of understanding that i feel like when we grew up especially it was like do these five things and it was always those seminary yeah. <laughs> answers 
and and I we're on the same page. I I think they definitely help, and they definitely, at least for me, um, make it easier with with my own personal addictions or my own personal things that we're going through. Um, but it it's not the end all be all, and I think that there's you know a million different ways that you can find that healing and find that peace. Um, and it, it doesn't necessarily have to be, be through prayer scriptures that we're going to church. In fact, sometimes they're not the answer. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. And I, you know, but I, and I've had discussions with people and they're like, and, and I hope I'm not the only one that feels this way, but I've had discussions with people where they talk about how they're like, you know, it doesn't matter like how bad of a day I'm having or whatever. And if I just go to God in prayer, I can feel I feel his love and I can always feel his love doing that. And, you know, if, if that's true, freaking kudos to you. Yeah. But there, some of my deepest and darkest times of my life, have that that like of memories have been like when I've been in a really dark spot and I've gone to pray for some freaking relief and I get absolutely nothing. I don't feel his love. I feel nothing there. Yeah. And so for someone to be like, all you have to do is is pray and you'll feel his love. I just want to <laughs> be like bull crap. Yeah. I'm calling BS on what you're talking about right now because it's more, it's deeper than that. Mm -hmm. And unfortunately it's more complicated than that. Yeah. Because, you know, we're, we're, yeah, I mean, it's, so I, I don't, I have a hard time when people talk to me about how they can just pray whenever. And then all of a sudden they just feel God's love. And no matter what's going on in their life, and I'm like, good for freaking you. <laughs> Well, I, mean, I guess God hates me then because that ain't the, that's not how it works with me. No, and I, I think we're all different and we all have to find our own way to to come to God. And I don't it's a little controversial, but I don't know I don't know that the church is right for everyone and i don't know that like i think that there are some people that will do better in their lives for themselves and for others without our church um and so i, I understand i i understand exactly where you're coming from and i think that there are people that can benefit and i think it's it's a good thing for people but there are some people that don't want it and i think that's okay for them okay i don't think they're going to be i don't think they're going to help for that um so, so yeah <laughs> there's that we go into a really deep rabbit hole with that one um but it kind of goes along um with with the Church of the Devil in the next couple chapters because like I remember growing up they would always be like oh Brigham Young at some point said that this was the Catholic Church but like I 
reading it now, like I don't believe that. Yeah. There there are those who believe in Christ and there are those who don't. Um and there are those who fight against the church or fight against Christ and who are actively trying to um trying to bring others down. And I think that's that's part of that great and abominable church. Mm-hmm. And there's everyone else. And I I think that yeah, I think that like our church is great. We have a lot of good truths. We have a lot of things, but I don't know that it's right for everyone all the time. Hmm. I don't know how to respond to that. <laughs> one thing, one thing that I've thought a ton about the last couple of years is, um, so like in the Old Testament, right? Uh-huh. The pe- the twelve tribes of Israel. There was only one or two tribes that could have the priesthood. Something like that. So, like, Heavenly Father set up his community to have different responsibilities. Mm -hmm. And I, I kind of feel that same way with Christian churches and our church. Like, we're of the tribe of Ephraim. We have different responsibilities than everyone else, but not everyone else is going to fit in that tribe. And I think that's okay. So when it comes to so this is this is going on a tangent. What it's for. Um so then then what how do you How do you, or was a question I'm trying to, trying to ask. So we have instructions and commandments and ordinances, which we have been taught in the gospel, in the church, in the Church of Christ Latter-day Saints, of basically requirements to be able to make it to heaven, yeah. to the celestial kingdom. Mm-hmm. What about those people who the church is not right for with what you're saying how do they get into heaven without those ordinances then i think eventually they do through temple work and through either stuff for the dead or in the millennium when we're doing it for everyone anyway i think eventually we're all going to get there but i don't think like we're all at different places in our lives mm-hmm. Um, and I don't think, I don't think God sent us here to not have all of us come back. And so like, while this time is a time to prove ourselves, while this time is a time to, um, better ourselves, help others and do different things, I don't think he's going to penalize anyone for either being a part of the church or not being a part of the church. I feel like a kid in India that's never heard of the church, but he's the best Hindu that yeah, that's, that's that's a different concept though. That's a whole different like discussion. Because I'm I'm uh, the, my my referencing is is more of to like like let's say good people in New York yep. who have 
Well, I guess a bunch of people in New York that Utah didn't know them either. <laughs> we'll say the good people of Georgia. So, like, so, so the good people of Georgia who have the opportunity. Yeah. Okay, but they reject it. Mm-hmm. And I'm not saying I disagree with you. I just want to know your thoughts and and what you're what you're actually thinking on this. No, I I get it. So like. <clears throat> Christ, he never he never went about to set up a church. I don't think until after he died. He preached to people and he met people where they were, and he invited them to be better. He never. He talks about. He knew that there had to be something when he was gone in order to like organize and to get people. But like when he was here, mm-hmm. it's not like he like built a church or had people go do temple work. Like he wanted people to know and feel that he cared about them. And then he wanted them to just be a little bit better. And so I, I think the same goes for us. We're in the church. We know a lot more than a lot of people know. And so I feel like we'll be judged differently um, than than other people. And someone who doesn't know the church but is a great Christian, I don't think they're going to be penalized because they weren't part of our church at the end of whatever. Like I know, I just... Don't see that happening. They still have the chance and opportunity to reject the gospel. Yeah. Where they wouldn't make it to the celestial kingdom. Yeah, if they didn't want to. I don't I I don't like there are some people that I don't think want that. I mean, just like they wouldn't feel comfortable in that setting. And I also have no idea how it works after this life. I barely know barely know how it works in this life. All I can but, say is if 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 the celestial kingdom is anything like going to church on Sunday, I don't I don't know if I want to go. See, that's the thing. But like you, you think of eternity, there's no way that like this teeny tiny blip of our 80 years on earth there's no way that the Heavenly Father would have that dictate our our entire rest of our yeah, like, and we could go we could go into stuff all over, but like, um, I just he wants us all back. We're all his kids, but we're all growing at different rates. If I look at my own kids and like one of them goes off, like. I would do everything in my power to help get them back, and I wouldn't care how long it took. If I had eternities, I would let it take eternities, and I don't think God's any different. Like, I I just don't see it. Eventually, those people who don't want it right now will eventually want it, in in my eyes, because it is. It's the joy. It's the fruit. Like, you really can't. 
you really can see what they talk about in the scriptures the more you get to know God and your Savior and what they did for us and get to know and understand what the eternities mean, what what we actually get when we get to that position and what we what we can do and, and what what we can become. Are we in eternity now? Yeah. 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 It's it's just one one eternal round. Um but anyway, that that's me. It's some of some of my thoughts about it. And some of those are controversial. Yeah. <clears throat> that's all right. Very, yeah. Um no, I, I like to hear stuff that's controversial, so I'm I'm okay with it. <laughs> I don't know if I I don't know how you know, I've had I've had a lot of you know similar kind of thoughts on 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 that. I don't know if I totally agree with everything you say, but that's okay. Um, but yeah, but uh, you know, what constitutes you know? Because I've I've heard people I've heard people talk about how like you know you'll have a perfect opportunity to to accept Christ and, and return to live with him again. It's like, all right, so if I go my whole life rejecting the gospel and not doing anything and I die, but but I've had chances to join. Yeah. I've had missionaries come to my house. I've had friends who have invited me. I've had all these ample opportunities to where even some that maybe I did for the spirit. and. The spirit testified to me of what was being taught was true, and then I died, but I rejected it the entire time. Mm-hmm. It's like what? What's? And this is what more of a rhetorical question. This is not a one I expect you to answer. Yeah. But it's like what? What constitutes that? That fine line of of well, you actually had a real chance, and you messed it up. Now you're going to hell. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So, yeah. so it's, and you know, this has been kind of controversial that I've brought up before too. And I think about like accountability stuff, and this has gone way off topic, but I'm, I'm guessing this is, this is like, this needs to be part of like our introduction. But like, we're talking about this today. We'll most likely we'll talk about something else. <laughs> um, but, you know, I've, I've thought a lot about accountability and how accountable people are. Because in order for you to sin, you have to be accountable for your actions, right? Yeah. The only person, persons, who, eternity, who exist, who have that ruler is God in Christ Mm -hmm. and the Holy Ghost, right? Yeah. That's it nobody else so the controversial thing that i've brought up in the past it's like this so-and-so serial killer yeah it's like were they are are they actually going to be held accountable i know people listening to this be like yeah they're going to be held accountable they're freaking evil it's like okay um but but uh like how accountable are they like you have to be in your right mind 
to be held accountable. I, it is so hard for me to believe that somebody is capable of that. Like, and I could be totally wrong, but be, be capable of that kind of horrendous thing to where they just, they're like, yeah, I'm in my right mind. And I killed all these people. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? So I've, I've, I don't, I just, I, I don't know what the answer is to that. I know people will have their opinions and, and tell me I'm dumb, but I don't care. So accountability is something that only God is, is aware of what we are and are not able to be accountable of. Well, and that's, that's what's so great about, you know, the plan of, of justice and his ultimate power in that. That he <laughs> exactly genie, um, no, because he gets to decide that. You know, he he gets to look specifically at every person in their own situation, what they're going through, and he gets to. And I I this is just me, but but I think whatever, whatever he decides, I feel like we will agree with mm-hmm. wholeheartedly. I don't think he'd pass judgment on us if we didn't didn't fully understand and agree with what he was saying. We'll have a perfect recollection of yeah. our guilt. And so whatever he hammers the mallet down on and what he says we're guilty of, we're going to agree with him. Yeah. And I, I think those people will too. And he... He is perfect. He's going to factor in their childhood. He's going to factor in their abusive parents or whatever it is. Whatever thing that made that person pick that route, mm-hmm. I mean, those, those will be factored in and it'll be understood. So I don't like it's it's hard. It's hard for us. At least I feel like me sometimes it's hard for me to grasp and understand that or like people bring up like the Hitler thing. Oh, you know. It's like I don't I don't know what that dude went through. Like I don't know if he was in his right mind or what you know what I mean? Yeah. Like I it was seventy years ago now and like we didn't have good records. So like but but God does. He knows what he went through. He knows what if it was just pure evil or if he was worshiping Satan or whatever it is. Like like he would know. So I'm just glad it's not for me to decide and I don't have to worry about that. Um, but at the same time, I just personally, I find it hard to believe. That Maybe I'm just trying to figure out a way how to justify my own sin. I'm not, I'm not accountable for this. I wasn't in my right mind today. So whatever I did, it's not held against me. Eating, eating all those chocolates totally was not my fault at all. No. All right. Well, we kind of talked about. <laughs> Honestly, we actually did pretty good. First Nephi. Going, going through, we actually did pretty good. Oh.